0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, July 7th. We are here live. It will be a free for all here for the uh, first part of the show, the first hour or until we run out of your questions. We're going to open up the phone lines right now so start dialing 855 855- nine five zero three eight three five we'll get to those calls here in just a couple minutes coming up at one o'clock today eastern time we'll be rolling toe with mike and kevin beckett so lots going on today stay tuned start dialing it's a free for all for now anything goes if you have a question a comment a topic pick up the phone and join me i've got some things i want to talk about today and uh Let's wait for your calls to come in. I am doing something I don't normally do. I try not to read two books at the same time. Certainly not two books for like research or learning or those kind of things. Every now and then I might have a novel going and, you know, a book that I'm reading for research or learning. But right now I actually have three books. I'm reading three books at the same time. And, they're pretty deep books, too. So I think it's going to take me a while. Um, you know, I there are days, I think, over the weekend, I sat down and read almost 10 hours, almost finished one of these books. Um, but then my brain was pretty tired. So I, I think I'm going to go back and kind of take these in small doses. Um, but I... I like to hear from people that I wonder if I can find anybody that has read all three of these books Um, reading them together is really I I don't know if I'm getting a good perspective but it's certainly making me think a lot Um, the three books I should probably post these because I know I'm going to get a bunch of questions about this Um, I don't think I have the authors here you know, I'll, I'll get the authors on these and I'll get them posted. Uh, but the three books are The Creature from Jekyll Island. That's all about the Fed and I the Gold standard and how that all changed. I've known about that topic for decades. People have always talked about this, that, you know, we should have stayed on the gold standard. Uh, Nixon was the one that took us off the gold standard in the 70s. And what that meant was that when we were on the gold standard, the government couldn't print more money unless they had more gold. You had to have the gold at a set price to back up the dollar. And we used to store all that gold at Fort Knox. You actually had to have the physical gold. And if you didn't have any more gold, you couldn't print any more money. Well, once we got off the gold standard, then you can just print money now. Mm -hmm. These are weird concepts to get your head around, though. Economics are really complicated. Money is complicated, so I've always kind of avoided this. There's always been this kind of conspiracy theory that, you know, this one world order and that's why we have the Fed and we don't have a gold standard. It, it, it's one of those topics that I've avoided because even if I can understand it, what would you do about it? I mean, obviously, a lot of people think that that was a bad idea, but we've never really ever made any attempt to go back. So I'm, I'm reading that about the Fed and the money supply, and it's pretty deep. And then I'm also reading the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. This is a really interesting book, and it's just so obviously true. Even if we move to all electric vehicles, we're really focused on electric vehicles. So let's say we waved a magic wand. The grid was good enough, and we had charging stations and we switched every vehicle in the country to electric. First off it's never going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say never. There may be some other technology that comes along before we make that full transition. It's going to be a long, long time. But even if we were able to do it overnight, make every vehicle on the road electric, the oil industry is not going away. We use oil for a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And we will power this world on fossil fuels for a long time coming. That doesn't mean electric isn't happening as well. We're going to have both. That's really what this second book is about. It's about energy and the oil industry and why it's really not going anywhere. Why it shouldn't. We need to make, we need to stop this attitude that fossil fuels is so bad it's really not it's why we have civilization so now to demonize it is just a really bad idea doesn't mean we can't move forward with other technologies and we should but we really shouldn't demonize fossil fuels none of them gas natural gas coal oil they are very important and always will be, or for a very, very long time coming. Now, the um, the third book is the one that I spent a lot of time reading this weekend, and it's the one I'm kind of focused on. Uh, there's actually some good news in this book. The, there's some really bad news in this book, and then there's some good news. The other thing about reading these kinds of books is, it's really when I read a book like this, I I read it and I think, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can't really come up with any good arguments against what they're saying, but it's also, it's some pretty radical stuff. So you just wonder what don't I know? You know, what else could I go read that would dispute this? So I'd love to hear from anybody today who's read any of these books. I'd love to hear from somebody who's read all three. Uh, If you've read one or two, I'd challenge you to grab the others and read those two and just kind of think of them. Think of the world and where we're going in the context of all three of these books together. The book, The End of the World, is just the beginning the I'll give you the bad news first. Basically, the book makes the claim, and like I said, this is hard to argue and hard to dispute, that the best economic period for the United States and probably the world as well was the time from 1980 till now. Now, the interesting thing about that time frame is it is exactly pretty darn close, my adult life. I graduated in 1981. I spent a good part of the 80s in the military and then came out and went into business. And uh, I've actually been pretty blessed. I mean, I certainly can't complain about the economy and the opportunities during my entire adult life. I've had some rough times. Most of them were my own fault. Um, usually it was a combination of my own stupid decisions and then getting caught in a bad economy. You know, I can look back and the times I struggled, clearly I can point to all the reasons, my own decisions and my own mistakes, but it was also exacerbated by a bad economy at the time I was making those mistakes. Uh, Really, the last one, well, no, I had some struggles during the last one, too. I had a lot of things going on. I sold, kind of sold a trucking company after that. And so, even in the last one, I wasn't perfectly situated. I, I was much more prepared for the downturn in 08. It didn't affect me as much as the uh, the 01 and the early to mid-90s. Those are, I, I've been through four, three, four, yeah, maybe four, um, Fairly big downturns. Each one I did slightly better. Um, You know, the early ones, I was just getting started. I was early in business. I was making a lot of mistakes. I I had some tough times back then. Um, Each time I've gotten more prepared. This time I feel like I'm probably about as prepared as you could be. I mean, you could always have more, but I'm pretty prepared this time. So that's the... Bad news is that, according to this author, the good times are over. We're not going to have these kind of economies anymore. This is more than just a downturn, according to him. This is a major change in the world economy, not in a good way. According to this author, we're in for some really, really rough times. Parts of the world are in for horrendous times, famine, starvation, food shortages, energy shortages. It's it's not a happy book in a lot of ways, but, and again, I, I'd love to find a book that disputes it. I'd love to find, you know, I hope somebody writes a review or another book that says, no, this isn't even close. Here's what's going to happen. So I said that this book has some good news. What what might it be? And it's, this is probably the most interesting thing I got out of the book, just thinking about this whole kind of concept. The, the good news in this book is that of all of the countries in the world, every one of them, if we look at who will come out of this the best, it's the United States. That's uh, that's not what a lot of people are thinking right now. You know, we we know that there's a lot going wrong in our country right now. We're horribly divided. That that's probably at the root of most of our problems. Is that we are so divided that we're not doing anything to fix any of our problems. So they all seem to be getting worse. So it's hard to feel really optimistic about the United States right now. Although I do. Clearly, there have been times where, you know, I was far more optimistic. But when you read this book, and we're going to go through some tough times, too. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I I don't know that that could be argued anymore. We'll see, but kind of doubt it. But long term. The prospects for the United States to continue to be a world power are really strong. And it has everything to do really with geography. Um, Certainly, our form of government has proven, you know, a, a free market, capitalistic democracy or republic has turned out to be a really good means of governance. It works really well. We've been very successful. A lot of times I think we've, we've chalked that up to our form of government completely. And that's absolutely not true. We were really fortunate that our ancestors at some point landed in this country. If we live in this country, we are even more blessed than we really know. It's why we have had such a good run as a country that one of the youngest countries in the world and we became a superpower pretty quickly. Um, And there's a lot of good you can still say about the United States a lot. But it turns out that some of it was just pure chance and luck. And and we are just really fortunate to say, you know, we live in this country. And I'm going to go over just some of the reasons. So. In order to have a civilized country with, you know, what we call kind of modern civilization, you really need three things. And the more of these three things you have, the more successful you're going to be. Water, not water, you can't survive. Food, the ability to grow or raise food, very important. And for a civilized society, you need energy turns out the United States when you look at and compare it to almost everywhere else on the planet we have more of these three things than anybody we have the most high quality farmland in the world now we have destroyed a lot of it but it will still raise food you know all of our conventional farmland we've pretty much destroyed the soil the good news is we can get it back and we know how And it still grows food, grows lots and lots of food. We're never going to starve as a country. Then you start wondering, you know, this is when you start throwing in all the variables. And it's interesting that as I'm reading this, Bill Gates just bought a bunch more farmland in North Dakota. He already owns more farmland in the United States than anybody. And the United States has more farmland than anywhere else in the world. So you have to wonder, what does he plan on doing with that? That's a little worrisome, but it's something we have as a country that we, I don't think we appreciate as much as we should. It's just a, a matter of geography. It's just pure luck and chance. We have a lot of water. Water is not a problem in our country the way it is in some countries. Not only do we have a lot of water that makes life sustainable, but we have more navigable rivers than anybody. And rivers make a big, big difference. It costs like one fortieth of the cost to move things on water that it does on land. So we can move things around internally in our own country very effectively That's not always the case in in many countries. Um, So water and food, we've got plenty of those, more than anywhere else in the world for the most part. Energy, turns out, and we knew this just a year and a half ago, we have more energy, more oil, more fossil fuels that we can get to with today's technology at a reasonable price. We have more than anywhere else in the world. Forget the Middle East. We've always thought that, that, you know, they had more oil than anybody. No, it's it's North America. We can throw Canada into this mix and Mexico has some, but the United States right smack in the middle of North America has more fossil fuels that we can get to than anywhere else in the world. That's pretty incredible. Now, this administration has virtually destroyed that industry, but it's still there. I mean, politics will change. We, 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 want, we didn't lose that asset. It's still under our feet. I think the this administration is doing this on purpose. I, I don't know exactly why, but long-term We have that asset, it's not going away. That is a huge advantage. So not only do we have more of any just one of these three things, we have huge amounts of all three. And I've never thought about it that way. I didn't know that. So that was interesting. Now, if you have those things, and we do, The next thing you would have to worry about, if you look at world history, is the fact that somebody else that doesn't have those things is going to try and come and take them away from you. That's the history of the world. It's been going on since the first tribes ever formed, and it's still going on today. I don't think there's ever a time where we're not fighting over land or resources somewhere. I mean, that's what all wars are about. We fight over land and resources. So now look at the United States. We have a huge advantage here. Again, very, very unique to the whole world. Figure out how to attack the United States. It's almost impossible on any kind of scale. You know, we've really never been invaded as a country. We could, you know, look at Pearl Harbor. One state was attacked. We could look at 9-11. Not really a true military attack, though. And it's not likely to ever happen. Not, not unless there's some radical change in technology, but even then, any radical change in technology, we would probably be ahead of. Yeah, there are some countries with, you know, hypersonic technology that we're a little behind on, but again, that's our government. We have an administration that is not focused on our military. That can change easily. We have a huge head start on almost everybody, even China. You know, China was worrying me for a while. The more I read, the more China's got a lot of problems right now. So you think about it. um, How would you attack the U.S. and try to take over, occupy the United States to, to take its resources? It's next to impossible. You're not going to come down through Canada. Well, Canada's certainly not going to invade us. Um, they're one tenth of our size. That's just not going to happen. Mexico's not going to invade us for the same reason. They have no military to speak of. Um, and trying to attack, even from those two countries with long, long borders in the United States, geographically is really difficult. In Canada, you've got really extreme weather to deal with and not much infrastructure anywhere. Mexico, you've got to cross horrendous deserts and mountains to get to anywhere in the United States. From, from either one of those two countries, it's not very feasible to attack us. And neither one of those countries are anywhere near capable of it. Somebody else would have to try to come through those countries. It's just not going to happen. So what are the other two directions? East and West. We are one of the few countries on the world that have coasts on both major oceans, the Pacific and the Atlantic. There isn't a Navy in the world that is even close to being able to attack us from an ocean. So we have more resources than almost anybody in the world and we can protect them. It's pretty incredible. And that's why if what this author is predicting in this book, the rest of the world's in for a really, really difficult time. We're in for a recession, maybe one of our worst, who knows, but it's not that big of a deal. And we have really just a, just an incredible outlook for the future. And it's, you know, right now, it's hard to see past our politics and everything we're fighting about in this country. If if we could figure out, if we could come up with a leader that can unify us again somehow, not sure exactly how we come back from this divide, but if we could, then we're virtually unstoppable. So it's, uh, it, it's good to find some good news long term. It's definitely long-term, but it's good to find some good news. I had a ton of things I wanted to talk about today. Um, Most of the rest of the stuff, I believe, is probably better suited for the pit. Uh, I had some stuff on the vaccine and the military Let's see what else I had for notes here. Uh, I think what we're going to do is get to the phone calls because I think anything else I would cover here, uh, yeah, probably more political. Um, So I'll talk about it on the pit on Tuesday. So we will uh, get to the phone calls. Let's get started today in Oregon. John, welcome to the program.
1: Hey Kevin, how you doing?
0: Doing good. What's on your mind today?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to comment on your books. Um, I, I couldn't. I was thinking that you might be talking about on the uh, end of the world. Is that the Peter uh, Zion book or Zion I think his name.
0: Yeah. Did I get the title wrong? It's the end of the world. It's just the That's, beginning. Well,
1: it's the end of the world. It's just beginning. Yeah, yeah. So I've read the two before that. Um, I'm kind of on the second one, maybe about midway through. It's a little more like it's drawn out and it's not as interesting as the first one but I tell you, he talks really really heavy on his first book about exactly what you're talking about um, you know how you, the United States was created and how we're so um, uh, isolated against being attacked because of our borders the ocean uh, the ability to grow the ability just everything is in our favor and he talks so much about how, The other countries the major power countries that everybody's worried about you know how like china is a major power and has more nukes than we do and russia and this and that but the problem that he talks about with them is their economy is so unstable and the ability to regrow their economy is, they you know let's say they grow enough you know a big enough pair that
0: no you're still there go ahead i I just had a thought i want to come back to but go ahead
1: yeah, that if they grow a big enough pair to actually do something, it would be a one-time deal for them. There's, there's no coming back to a, you know, a, a activating a nuclear whatever. Yeah. There's just not. They're, right. you, know, you would uh, the force back on them would just destroy them, and they wouldn't be a country anymore. And the problem is, is like you said, when in this book that you're reading, is that um, when everything hits the fan, you know, as far as the economy goes. All the countries over there will be battling for borders, will be battling for areas where they can grow something. So, you know, you're, you're right on it. I never, ever really thought about this kind of geography, and I've always been a history buff. Never thought about it until somebody said something about this book. I might have got it off YouTube or something. And I started reading it, and it just brought so much to life.
0: It, it, it's incredible. I want to go it, back and, and read his other two books now that I've read this one. And even if it's a lot of the same stuff, he's a good writer. It gets a little slow sometimes, but it it's such an interesting take on this. There's two more points I want to go back to from this book. One The reason why during like from 1980 till now, we've had such a great world economy even. I mean, the world has advanced quite a bit during these decades as well. And his claim is, I never thought about this. Is because after World War II, the United States basically said, look, we're the only ones with the with Navy left. I mean, everybody else's Navy was just about wiped out. We still had a pretty strong Navy. And we basically said, we will police the world's waters so you can transport goods all over the world and not have to worry about it. I never realized that was right. a problem, but it was. We, think yeah, about I it. We, I it,
1: never knew. Yeah. I, really yeah, really never knew about that treaty that was signed uh, and why it was signed. The history I, behind why that was signed was huge.
0: Why, why didn't we learn any of this in school?
1: Uh, it, I, it's like it nibbled around everything about what he's talking about, but you never really got the in-depth. Yeah, so... You know, we heard about treaties, and we heard about this and that, but never that detailed of a treaty that said, hey, we're doing this because if we do this treaty everybody will be at our and call and we will become the main power. And that's pretty much how it happened.
0: It worked. It absolutely worked. And it's true because we had, you know, we always kind of say we're, we're a country of laws. And that's what makes our country so stable is we have laws. We know what the rules of the game are. Now, when you think about it, if, if, if there are no rules of the game in the world and pirates can just take over ships with you know millions or hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cargo, that's not a good system. So we became the world's right. police of the waters and we ensured that if you want to send goods around the world, we'll protect them. I never realized that. I never even thought about it.
1: Right. And, and it, it, yeah, in his first book,
0: Well, I was just going to say his prediction is from now going forward, that's going to come to an end. And the reason some countries are going to really struggle is we are moving. We are going to move away from a global economy. I mean, everybody thinks we're moving to this. New world order, and maybe government-wise, that's what's trying to happen. But economy-wise, he predicts the opposite, that countries are going to have to start to depend on their own resources because we're not going to do all of this global trading. That's why we're in such good position. We have everything we need. We don't need anything from other countries.
1: Exactly. So when you look at what's going on now in Russia with Russia and Ukraine and how everybody just pulled away from Russia, supposedly, you're going to see that kind of a speed and countries are going to be just frantic and say, hey, you know, we're going to go, we got to go take over, I mean, China, we got to take over and, you know, the uh, Taiwan. And cause that's the only way we're going to be able to secure that type of economy. And that's where you're going to have those small wars or battles or whatever for, for borders and for, you know, land.
0: Yeah, the other country that's pretty well situated, you know, they have all the food, energy, and water they need, and that's Russia. Russia doesn't need anybody else yeah. in the world either. that They can survive on their own well, just
2: fine. At,
1: right, and that, but the only thing that they, in the book states, that their borders right. are not right. secure enough. That's yeah. their problem, is they that, cannot secure their borders. And that's the reasoning of going, you know, When when you read this book, that's the reason Ukraine, that's going to be the reasoning for any other thing that they do past that as far as taking over, because they want to secure those borders where they're protected.
0: Yep. It it is really, to me, a very,
1: very interesting book. Yeah,
0: it's just, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, Oh, here's the other thing I wanted to say from this book, more good news. So, you know, we know we have more fossil fuels than anybody else in the world. No worries. We could power our country forever, as far as we can tell, with our own fossil fuels. But as we make the change to more renewable fuels, solar and wind, guess what? The United States is better suited than almost everywhere else in the world for that as well. Australia, I think, is number one. Australia with the outback has more sun and wind capability than anybody else. But the United States, like number two, we're close enough to the equator. We have good sun in certain areas. We have good wind in places and obviously not perfect. Those two things are never going to power the whole country, but they have a lot of potential. We are going to move in that direction slowly over time. And again, we're still in one of the best positions in the world. you you, you, yeah, I, I you start to all, wonder honestly, how, how did it happen that one country and we settled the whole landmass kind of as a country how, how did we get so fortunate
1: yeah I honestly you know I've not dabbled into reading some of the conspiracy stuff if it is on like EMPs if that happened what would happen I'm not reading the series on the day after and the or that you know and the what? next year and all that stuff I think there's three books right and, you know, granted, if you listen to that, it could be detrimental. But just like you said, if there was ever a country that could bounce back from
0: it, it would be us. We have the resources. Uh-oh. John, did I lose you? Um, oh, there you are.
1: about the country, so...
0: Uh Oh, yeah, I I think I'm losing. I I did lose you, Um, John. Great stuff. Um, I'm going to grab those other two books. Um, Really, really interesting way of looking at things. Let's. uh, Let's go to Kentucky, John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Yeah,
3: I sent you an oil sample.
0: All right, let's take a look here. So we've got a DD-15, what year?
3: The 2020, and I do got to say, like, the product information, um, it's not Shell Rotella that I put in. I forgot to change that. Um, it always was Shell, but I had to put use a Lubs, Um semi-synthetic 1030 on um, oil sample 7.
0: Uh well okay so let's see why is the sam- oh normally you go much further on your samples that's why these numbers look so different your last couple of samples seventy five thousand forty eight uh, let's look at that twenty four but
3: well, I I've been changing it every um I've been doing a sample every twenty five thousand miles and then just changing the oil at seventy five
0: okay. Got it. So we're at that
3: 25,000 mile sample
0: and you can tell because it's really clean. I mean, it's, it's different than the rest of your numbers. Not that you really had any bad numbers before, but on this one, virtually nothing got flagged. I mean, that this really should be a zero, not even a one. Um, has anything else changed? I mean, that this is such a clean well, sample.
3: Well, the thing that I was looking at, I was looking at oil sample number four and comparing it to number seven because they were it's both 25,000 it, exactly. miles on the oil. And then I fuel dilution and soot. And they went from a point four to a 1.1 and it went from less than one to a point two. I don't know if that's anything important or not. You
0: know, it, it, it- Kind of is. I'm glad you're looking at that. That's something I look at that they don't really flag in oil samples, but it's something I watch because those two numbers can kind of tell us how well the engine is tuned and how well it's burning fuel. You know, when those two numbers are really low, we know we're getting good, complete burn on our fuel. That's good for fuel economy. It's good for performance, and it's good for emissions. So I like to see those two numbers really low. But what I will tell you is yours are still really low, even though they came up a little bit from, you know, that last 25,000 mile sample. They're still really low. Nothing whatsoever. To, we don't even think about doing anything about fuel dilution till it gets to four. You're at 1.1. You're nowhere near that. Okay. Same with soot; they're not going to flag soot until you're at like three something, and you're at point two. We do like to say <laughs> we we love keeping an engine less than point one, but point two, yeah, that's that's pretty darn low.
3: Okay, because the trucks in the shop right now, and I'm having them do um, what, what is that when you test uh, for it's the turbo sucking air. What is that called when you lose fuel economy?
0: All right, just um, testing the boost, the charger cooler and the boost, boost leak. That's it. Yeah, okay. I
3: um, I did this quarter I lost 6 tenths of a mile per gallon.
0: Oh, so in fuel economy. No, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. You're you're paying attention to those kind of numbers and then following up to see why. And and there's a it may be time. Um, there may be a boost leak. It may be time to run an overhead. It, nothing obvious yet. And and the good news is when you track the way you're tracking, you do your samples every 25,000. We see this stuff coming long before it becomes important. You had a minor change in a couple little numbers. Eh, not enough that I'd be. It, let me just ask, when was the last time the overhead was set?
3: Um, I had it set at hundred thousand, so the truck has two forty ish on it now. If I so hundred and forty thousand, if I took any
0: roughly. action at all, it might be to like you're doing, test the charger cooler. That's always a good idea. I might set the overhead on this one, or I might not. I, I it's not that big of a deal either way.
3: So if they come back and say there's no boost leak, um. And maybe I get the overhead set then, like you said, probably For six tenths a yeah.
0: mile, quite a it, bit. you mean. know, and uh, <laughs> we we do look at fuel economy as an indication of what's going on maintenance wise, but we have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. There are thirty five other explanations why you might have lost six tenths in a particular quarter.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, I've had the truck since brand new. And I've tracked it ever since brand new. And I've always averaged 8.3 miles to the gallon with this truck since brand new until this last week. Well, order. then,
0: then that's, that's, a, that's also good news. Again, here we go. You've tracked your numbers consistently. That gives us even more information. So now that I know that and it, this truck has always been that consistent, yeah, if, if there's a boost leak, that's where your fuel economy went. If there's no boost leak, I would set the overhead then. All right. Uh, I'm not sure if I lost John or what happened there, uh, but I think we wrapped up that one. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program.
4: How's it going, Kev? I got two things. First thing, um, my fiance, she's an neon nurse, so she got COVID brought it home to me. Uh, I'm not vaccinated, obviously, but uh, I wasn't that bad. I mean, I just was tired. I went to work every day. I mean... Uh, but I was doing, you know, the, the zinc and copper, my vitamin D was up. But just, you kinda like kicked your ass, you know? But nothing where I was, had to be bedridden and, you know, like completely out of it. But it's still, you know, still a little weak and all that, but well, yeah, like I said, I, you know, I just kept up on the dropping things.
0: Yeah, so here's the thing. As far as I know, I still haven't had COVID. I did get sick when I was on the road, and I gotta tell you, for the four days I was sick, there was no working going on. I I was down, I was down hard. Hardest I've been down in a long, long time. Uh, And then I got over it, and I'm fine. No lasting, lingering effects. I tested twice during that time. Both of my tests came back negative, so I don't know what I had. But here's the thing, you know, we, we've kind of dealt with the flu and colds all of our life. Um, and I decided a long time ago that I'd rather deal with the flu if I get it and just move on than go get flu shots every year. I, just the hassle of going to get a shot. I, I just, I'd rather just, and most years I never get sick. So, and I could have gotten flu shots all those years, wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, so I feel the same about this. In fact, I feel stronger about this. I keep saying I'm going to do another show on the vaccine because there's so much more information out there now, but there is no way in hell they're ever getting me to take one of their COVID MRNA vaccines. Never. It's just not going to happen.
4: Nope. No, yeah, she was being I didn't get tested, so I I shouldn't really say I had COVID. But I mean, we, it's only two of us in the house, you know. <laughs>
0: right? I, yeah. She,
4: she had the same symptoms as I did. I mean, so I really shouldn't say I had COVID. I got sick. She has. She was confirmed. Yeah. They sent the home. She they, she well, started feeling sick at work. You know, before that she felt sick, and they they say go get swabbed. And then she called. She goes, I got COVID. I so I guess that's why the way I feel. You know, I've been feeling for the last you know 4 or 5 days
0: exactly you know mine was kind of the perfect storm i had pushed myself physically on that road trip to where i was tired and overstressed I stopped taking all of my supplements for that trip for some stupid reason. I don't know what I was thinking. And I went to an event with 50,000 other people and stood there shaking hands, yelling at people, talking because it's loud. And so no wonder I got sick for the first time in eight years. But as far as I can tell, either the tests just aren't very accurate or I didn't have COVID. I don't know what I've had. I, I never experienced anything quite like it.
4: Right, yeah. All right, so on to something else. So now, I've, uh, on my 401k, I've been putting like my company matches, 4%, and I've been putting 16 myself. So I'm putting like 20%, and I'm putting almost. Excellent. A month into my 401k. Excellent. Now, I mean, if this. But looking what's going on, I'm not worried about it because I'm just going to do it. I'm I'm surviving, you know. I'm not struggling, but I just you know, I I don't I don't know if I should keep doing that or just because it's out of sight, out of mind, in my opinion.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. What you're doing is awesome. And if you kept doing it, it certainly wouldn't be the worst thing you could do. But could we come up with a better plan based on what's happening? Maybe. Um, How old are you?
4: I'm 50, I'll be 58 in that's September. What,
0: that's what I thought. All right. So you are very, very close to, at some point, you're going to want access to that money. So we don't want to see big, big losses. Um, I, 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 I would certainly stop contributing at this point. I would start. Stop. Yeah, I would stop contributing to the 401k. Now, you may want to make the minimum contributions to keep getting the match. Yeah, you do.
4: Right. Yeah, okay. I, I yeah. would
0: keep making just enough, no more, not a penny more, uh, just to get the match. And then take the rest of the money, and I would just be socking it away right now, cash. I mean, put it in a money market, you know, wait for CD rates to come back up. They're probably going to. Uh, but I, right now, I would I would stop the excess and just start putting that into cash. God.
4: Cash, okay. All right, so I figured because, like I said, I don't know. And I guess so I got some when my mom that's away, I got some, some money and all that. And I got that on the side, and I also rolled, she had an account, and I just rolled it over as a beneficiary account, and that's sitting there. So I'm like, should I do something with that? And I'm like, I don't know, it's just like crazy. I don't know if I want to stop pulling stuff out, you know. Uh, you
0: know, I, I I wouldn't pull out of the market what's already in there. I, I would let that ride because it, just based on what I know about your finances and it's not like you're going to turn 65 or 67 and say, I'm retiring and I want to start taking this money out right now. You have other resources. So if the market does tank, you could live on your other resources and wait for that part of your portfolio to come back so uh, yeah, that's a, that's so right. I, I think what's in there I would leave in there and let it ride but I wouldn't contribute any more uh, other than that minimum just to get okay. your match. and even then there I, they, I'm, they, pretty, they, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they like let let me I'm pretty sure you could do this too you could take your contributions into your 401k make them just enough to get the match and just put all that money into a money market account within your 401k you don't have to put it into the to the market itself.
4: Right, yeah, I could definitely do that. There's definitely a a thing I could do that.
0: Yeah, I would do that too.
4: And then this way I have the access. Right, okay. All right, I'll get with my guy on that.
0: So, and what we're doing here is we've diversified you more as we go into a bad time. Right now in the good times, you've had a lot of money going into equities in the market, which was awesome. Because nothing did better in the last decade than the market did. It did fantastic. So, and we're going to leave that so you still have money in the market, but we're going to diversify by right. starting to put more into cash during this time.
4: Okay, cool. All right. I appreciate that. I that someone there.
0: You're oh, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. Let's go to Illinois. John or Joe, welcome to the program.
5: Hey Kevin, um, I want to talk about my numbers, but before I do, I wanted to talk about our borders and, and one of the reasons why uh, other countries have never invaded us is one is the Second Amendment. Oh yeah, uh, there's that to too. Right now, but ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, last of 10, uh, ten years ago, I read. A, I don't know if it's a current, but ten years ago, I read a thing that there's more registered hunters in just the state of Wisconsin. Than there is in any standing army in the world. Uh, oh
0: yeah, so yeah, it's and and then you start looking at Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, Pennsylvania. You you look at states that are big into outdoors and hunting and sportsmen. <laughs> yeah, we have an incredible army within our borders. And if people, you know, I've heard people yeah. say, "Oh well, that's stupid. You're going to stand up to a tank with an M16 or an AR-15 or yeah." You do. That's exactly how this works. You can't take over uh, even a tiny little town if lots of people in that town are armed. Look at what was the first thing Ukraine wanted when they got invaded. Holy shit, we need more guns in the hands of our civilians. Well, maybe you shouldn't have taken that away from them in the first place. That's why we are so strong on the Second Amendment. You're not going to invade us. You may drop some bombs, you may attempt it. You're not even going to be able to take over a little town.
5: Well, just like Japan was uh, one of the major generals after World War II was um, interviewed and said, Why'd you never invade the U.S.? And his statement was, There's going to be a gun behind every gate. Hey, Bill.
0: Exactly. So now we've we've talked about why we're so well protected geographically. It's so hard to get here and try to mount some sort of a takeover invasion. It's impossible to occupy this country. It's not going to happen. Then that second layer, if the first layer isn't enough, the second layer is the Second Amendment. And we're so well armed that we would just tear up armies that try to occupy anywhere.
5: Exactly. Well, let me get to my numbers real quick. Uh, I started, I went to school in April of 2020 during the uh, during the uh, shutdown. And I started driving in um, May of 2020. And um, I did everything the wrong way. I, I, I never listened. I wasn't listening to your show. I went out and borrowed money from my parents and I bought a truck and I immediately went into doing, um, owner operator hey. and I worked for the carrier hey, Joe? for six months.
0: Joe, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did the same thing when I started. Lots of people do, um, that's far better than signing some lease purchase somewhere. So the fact that you actually got some money and went out and bought your own truck, yeah, you probably weren't prepared. Most people who get into businesses aren't, I wasn't. Um, so yeah, it could have been worse.
4: Well, I, I
5: took six months. I paid my parents off. I left that carrier because they're only paying like a dollar 20 a mile for their owner operators. Went to a different carrier right now. I'm doing the same thing right now. The current rates, I'm making uh, $4 uh, dollars a mile on my outbound and $2 a mile on my backhaul. So I'm averaging $3 a mile. And my cost is right at a dollar 25 a mile to run my truck. It's, um, my church pay, uh, the only debt that I have is a little bit on my mortgage and my, well, hold, I have a
0: 0%. Hold, hold on a second. Cause I, I, first off, congratulations. Because you know, for having the start you had, you've done extremely well. Now we were in a good economy. So, but you've also set yourself up, I think, to be prepared for a bad economy. So congratulations. You have done a lot of things, right? Something's not making sense to me though. Um, if I go right. through in my mind, what it costs to run a truck, I have a feeling you're putting a number in here that shouldn't be in there. Cause I don't know how you're getting to a dollar 25. If we have no truck payment, worst case scenario, I got to figure your fuel. Go ahead. I am paying 78 cents a
5: mile right now for
0: fuel. Well, we got to work on that. Some what's your fuel okay. economy. It's gotta be awful
5: it's um i get between seven and eight depending on what i'm hauling
0: it's i know fuel's really expensive but are you sure your number's right
5: um pretty pretty sure i
0: okay all right let's let's go with uh, that we'll, we'll go with that um seems so seems a little I, high i but. i,
5: figure, am I main, yeah, it might be a little high um, i've worked out the numbers and, Maybe I screwed them up a little so, bit, but, but I figured it's better to be go high than low. Yeah,
0: so so let's even say it's eighty cents. Well, I think you might have said it was seventy eight. Let's just use eighty because the math is easier in my head. Where'd the rest of the money go, though?
5: Um, maintenance on my truck. I'm, I'm approaching a million miles on my truck, and I'm starting to hit a lot of. Uh, right now, my oil samples are coming back uh, pristine. Um,
0: so what what and, is your and maintenance anyway, cost uh, per month? Lower end.
5: Um, I'm, uh, I took everything, all the expenditures I've done over the last, and then divided it on my miles. It's about 30 cents a mile.
0: That's high. That's really high. So that, that, Yeah, but I've had a lot
5: of, uh, recently I've had a lot of things that I had. I did a lower end.
0: Okay. A a lot of
5: maintenance I've done recently. And
0: And, that's the kind of thing we want to look at. Was there a bunch of stuff that was kind of a one time and now our, our costs should start coming down? And it sounds like that's where we are. You've done some of those big things we need to do around a million miles. Now that cost should probably settle down some. Um and then the rest of the stuff isn't even important because it's all just miscellaneous stuff at that point. Th- those are the two big ones we look at. Um, and we, one of them looks like it's probably going to start getting somewhat better. I, I honestly think for somebody who just started so recently, you've done a lot of things right and you're in pretty good shape to get through this.
5: Uh, I put also, I've got 20, only got about 25,000 of what I and what I put in my truck repair fund that I keep there at, I'm not comfortable with that because I like to be able to be able to buy another truck if I have to. But oh, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it's uh, a good start for, now.
0: for For the fact that you've only been in business a couple of years, I think you've done fantastic.
4: Well, it's, I had a business
5: before. I ran a, a motorcycle safety school in California. I had three of them. Okay. And um, so, no like, I lost that over no fault of my own. So, but I didn't want to work yeah. for anybody else. So trucking made sense.
0: You know, here's one of the things, and I know this pisses people off when I say this, but we've got to face reality. I've worked with a lot of people over the years to help them with their business. And, you know, you get those guys that just are so good at the trucking side of this and even the mechanical side. They grew up on a farm. They've been around trucks forever. They've been driving forever. They go out and buy their own truck and they just suck at it. I, and I hate to say that, but they do. They're good at the trucking part of it. They suck at the business part. I have, it, it's so much easier to work with somebody like you, even if you come in this, into this industry and say, I know nothing about trucks, zero. But you know what? I've had another business. It's so much easier to work with somebody like you. It just is. Business is the more important part of being an owner-operator.
5: Well, I've also listened to you since I started listening to you. I'm, I, I'm, you know, like I, I said, I called you before. I'm the guy that lost 120 pounds.
0: Oh, yeah. I drank the that, yeah. Congratulations yeah, on that, yeah, too. Sure. Yeah. It, it, now, I, I think so that mean, in many ways, in many ways, you've put yourself in a really good position. Let's go back and imagine this. Let's go back. And, and we're pretty sure we're heading into some pretty rough times. We're going to have to work harder than we have before, more than likely. We're going to have to work smarter. There's going to be more risk. The fact that you've lost a hundred and twenty pounds and turned your health around is a huge advantage for that as well.
5: I feel so much better. I can I think mean, I go to Scourges every year and one year we always go to the uh, uh, Mount Rushmore and when I was fat I walked up the hill and it took me like forty five minutes I'll bet. just to get my breath back. And then last year when I went, I ran up the hill and I was fine.
0: Wasn't that awesome? And, and who great. yeah, who better prepared to handle a poor economy than somebody that's physically strong and healthy? The last thing I would want to do is go into a bad economy being really sick all the time.
4: Yeah. The
5: only thing I'm worried about is a particular industry that I'm in. They, they, we don't adjust for it. There's, no, uh, there's a fuel surcharge but it's already preset until so our next contract in a year. So, but we still get paid a little bit more at most uh, because it's like oh you're average four bucks a mile, right?
0: You're you're doing significantly better than most people now. Now you bring up a good point. Um, Contract rates are still strong. I just read a good article this morning from uh, Noel Perry um, on this particular topic. Uh, Contract rates are still strong. He thinks that will change in twenty twenty three. That the contract rates are going to tank in twenty twenty three. So we, I think yeah, we're all also, in, I, we're all in for, you know, some right. leaner times.
5: Well, you were talking about it earlier about the RV industry out of Indiana. And, um, uh, that's what I do. I do, I, I do outbounds. I do, um, RVs on my flatbed and on, on back hey. hauls I do cars.
0: Hey Joe, so, then, then there's one more yeah. thing. If you haven't done yet, you should do. And I'm glad you told me which industry this is. That's an industry that always falls off a cliff during a recession always because it's a total luxury item although it, it, it it has and this is sad to say but in our country now there are a lot more people living in rvs than there ever was before but that's not enough to save our economy because those people aren't out buying new rvs all the time they're struggling just to survive and they're living in an rv um the RV industry always falls off a cliff in a recession because it's pure luxury. Nobody has to have one. So if I were you, the one more thing I would do, I would create a really specific, strong Plan B. Yeah,
5: I was looking. I'm looking into other leasing on, like Star and other companies, if I have to.
0: Yeah. The- yeah. Just, just, just kind of so- make a a a decision you know pick two or three other possibilities and then pick the one you'd most likely go do and then just work through all the issues so when it's time you just pull the trigger and you move right on to plan b
5: because right now there's a hiring freeze and there's a flood of people in the market because during the covid thing the the RVs went through the roof. Right. And they hired all these people. Now they got a bunch <laughs> of people in 2023. They're going to be making a lot less trailers.
0: Yes. And, and that means a lot less trailers to move. That means rates go down. There's not as much work. You you will want to move to plan B at that point.
5: I think my biggest part of plan B is I'm uh, buying a double stack trailer and just moving cars. So you get paid good money if you have, you can put six or seven cars up on a trailer.
0: Oh, it, cars have always paid well. A, a tougher part of the industry, no doubt, but they've always paid well.
5: Yep. All right. Well, that's good. all I have. That good. Oh, oh, I did have one quick question for you because you sure handy. Because uh, of my panc- uh, your pancreas, do a, a blood glucose test, and I bought everything. But when should I test? When's the best time to test uh, daily? Should I do it daily? Should I do it every other day?
0: You're talking, you're testing blood sugar? Yeah. Whenever you want. Test fasting every morning. Okay. And start to see what your pattern is in the morning. And then you can test after different foods to see how you react to foods. I mean, you can test all kinds of different ways.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And and I lost 120
5: pounds, but I still got another 40 pounds to lose. I've just been stagnant for the last six months.
0: And, and we may find that you're, you're still a little insulin resistant, and we may see that in the blood sugar numbers. So really what this comes down to, the more you test, the more we learn.
5: Got it. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, keep up the good work, and I'm glad that I found you again on your uh,
0: I, I'm. Glad you did too, and uh, congratulations. I think for two years, you've done a hell of a job getting prepared for this. Let's go to New York. JR, welcome to the program.
6: Hey, how you doing? How you doing, Kevin? Good. Uh, Can you put me on hold and get me on the next call, please?
0: I can do that. I'll put you back in the queue. Why do we spell Q, Q Q-U-E-U, when really all you would have to spell it is Q? Uh, Let's go to Florida instead. John, welcome to the program.
2: Yeah, Kevin, uh, I've missed you since you left satellite radio, but man, I'm glad I talked to you today. Uh, um, I was wondering if you can tell me how I can find out what my truck is worth and then try to get some offers on it, how I can sell it the quickest because I'm wanting to retire and I've had a catastrophic uh, maintenance bill. Uh, it was a PACCAR engine and the head bolt broke and ruined the engine block and it's in for a rebuild, uh, rebuilt engine right now it's at the dealership if they're doing the work on it. And I would like to sell out as soon as the work is done and the truck is running again. And I was, I got a, a price evaluation from price And, but I don't know if I can trust those numbers. Okay. So, so what, how what,
0: can I sell it to a dealer? Um, <clears throat> Oh, you're trying to sell it to a dealer?
2: any way I can to get wholesale value, yeah. um, and it's in good shape. Well, it's what I was going to say truck. is,
0: if you are selling to a dealer, you are absolutely selling at wholesale. They're not going to give you any more than wholesale. If you wanted to make more money, you try to sell it yourself on the retail market, but that's not always a good idea with a truck. It can be pretty difficult. So what? give me a ballpark. What do we think we're at? What value did you find so far on this truck?
2: On PriceDigest it said wholesale was around eighty thousand and retail was around a hundred thousand. So it's a two thousand and seventeen Kenworth p six hundred and eighty. Okay, so hold on because
0: I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do a little crunching some numbers here myself. So you said it was a two thousand and seventeen. Uh, it's a Kenworth T680 what um, and you said it was the Paccar engine right
2: yeah uh, Paccar MX13 uh, 13 what, speed transmission
0: it is the and that's an Eaton 13 speed yes sir okay uh, It's. Wanna put it in as much detail as I can here. Um, and that's just a, uh, a a standard, not an automated manual of any kind, right? Correct. And it's a six by four. All right. Uh Pack car engine. Pack car. All right. I think that's probably enough to get us um, in the ballpark. Let's see what we're looking at. So I'll tell everybody what I'm doing here. I'm on TruckPaper.com. I'm putting in the exact specs, as much detail as you can give me. Um, how many miles are on it? Six seven one six five five on the
2: truck, and there, there's a rebuilt engine going in it and uh they're going to use the pump and pumps and components turbocharger and everything off of my engine but the core uh the long block is new
0: yeah so part of the problem is there's not a lot of these trucks on the road i mean there's just not a lot of trucks with the pack car engine it wasn't a really popular engine yet um So we don't have as much of a big picture to look at. In fact, in the entire country, I'm only coming up with two on truck paper right now. Um, One has 575,000 miles, so um, less mileage. The rest of the specs are almost identical. Um, That one's actually listed retail for right at ninety. So we're we're probably in the ballpark with your number. Now on the other hand, I see one with seven hundred and thirty some thousand miles on it. It's retailing at just under sixty. So big spread yeah. on just the two that are in there, which is kind of odd. Um, but it, so th- that gives us a range. Um, yours is going to sell well, for um, for somewhere in there. Do, how much do you owe on it? Anything?
2: Well, I. I'll have to use some of my savings. Uh, I, I owe about 48000 on the truck. So what I would like to do is find out uh, if a dealer would buy it for wholesale value. Uh, I mean, if I had to sell the truck today or this month, uh, how could I find a buyer even uh, at a lower value? Because I don't want to test this engine that they're putting in. I feel like the, the check engine lights will come on. There may be leaks, there may be no, problems.
0: I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, when you say, how do you find a buyer? I mean, there's only two way, two real ways that I know of. If you want to sell wholesale, you just have to get on the phone and start calling dealers. It's just, you just got to do the, the grunt work. You just got to call them and say, hey, I have a truck. Are you sure. in the market? Do you buy trucks wholesale from individuals? And and you just got to go from there and, and see what kind of answers you get. If you decide you want to sell at retail, then you just figure out where you're going to list it. Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, truck paper, you know, and, and you list it and you start taking calls till you find a buyer.
2: Right. Yeah, that's, That's what I'll do. Uh, What about an auction like Ritchie Auctions, uh, auction equipment? Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know how they or if they deal with individuals. I've never been a big fan of auctions. Um, I don't buy trucks from auctions. There's just too many downsides to me. So I'm not familiar with that whole system as much. I'd certainly call them, see, see how that could work.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been in touch with them, but it's, have you ever heard of PriceDigest.com? I paid $35 for a valuation, but I don't, the numbers look too good to me. Yeah,
0: I haven't heard of it till you yep. just mentioned it, but the, the thing about all these tools that we might go find to put a valuation on it, it's a place to start. But the true valuation comes when you have people who are interested in buying it and they have the ability to buy it. That's when right. we find yeah. out what the real value is, because that's what the market will bear. And that's the only price that matters. These other tools, truck paper like I just used, Price Digest, like it, they're tools. They to get us in the ballpark. But unless we have a qualified buyer willing to make an offer, none of those values mean anything. And, and you know, you'll find yeah. you, you'll be talking to the guy at the liar's counter at a truck stop, and he'll be like, oh, Bob, I'd give you 95000 for it right now. Except that guy probably can't. So that value's no good either.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, I've offered it to the Kenworth dealership that is working on it now and they haven't gotten back to me so uh i'll just have to to go online find whichever dealers normally buy trucks that's of any mileage
0: yep you you just you just have to do the work you you just have to decide am i going to sell this retail am i going to sell it wholesale am i going to auction it or am i going to try all three there's nothing wrong with the you know following the path of all three until it sells somewhere we're in a really strange market we're in a very transitional market on equipment right now we just went through a year where you couldn't get equipment anywhere and prices went through the roof but that party ended and every month that goes by now that truck is going to bring less money
2: right yeah, I'm over sixty. I'm ready to retire. I, I've had a good run. Good, been out here good. a lot of years. Yeah, then then, then your ready.
0: your goal here on this truck time is really important. The sooner you sell this truck, the better That's off you're going to be.
2: That's why I'm willing to sell for wholesale. Yep. I just don't know yeah. if the wholesale value that I saw is realistic because it was around $80,000. Uh, and I really, don't know whether a dealer... That seems high to me. It, yeah, and I don't know whether a dealer would even pay wholesale. Do they normally buy for less than wholesale value? No,
0: no, that's what wholesale is. Wholesale is the price that a dealer is going to pay for something.
2: Okay, that helps me a lot because all I have to figure out is wholesale value realistically, and then I can uh, know what to bargain for with the dealer.
0: Yeah. So, yeah it, like I said, thank it, you it, so it, much. you're welcome. It gives you a place to start. But again, those tools aren't as accurate during a time like this. You know, there are years where those tools are really accurate because truck pricing stays really consistent. But when we get into this volatile market where trucks shot up in price like crazy and now they're starting the downhill side, those tools aren't quite as accurate. They get us in the ballpark, which is what we've kind of done here. We, We kind of know a range. And now it comes down to getting real offers and seeing how those are, are going to look.
2: Right. Arrow truck sales said they were not buying any this month and, uh, rush truck centers won't buy it because it's over 600,000. So right. I'm going trying the screen and look for the needle in the haystack of someone that, that's interested because.
0: Yeah. So it, again, it doesn't hurt to sit on the phone all day long and call dealers. I mean, what else do you have to do? So it can't hurt. And you may get 30 no's, but then you may get one yes, and it may be a good price, and you may have sold your truck. The other option, because well, it is higher mileage, is it this may be a truck that gets auctioned.
2: Right. Well, uh, this was a question that I had. Do you think it would be possible it'll take them at least two weeks to replace the engine? Do you think it would be possible for me to make negotiations in the meantime? And Sure. Try to get a buyer ready to look at it. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, once it, once I, as soon as I pay the bill at the dealer. Yeah, I'd be on the because, phone today. Well, I would. I would have thought the dealers would have offered me something, you know, and maybe they still will they, uh, they, the dealership been worked on. They might,
0: but I have a feeling we're we're stuck in that that transition where everybody's a little worried, how far will these prices drop? So if if dealers aren't, you know, seeing a real shortage of trucks, they're not going to be interested in buying right now because there's too much risk for them. If they buy now and the truck sits on their lot for two months, they could lose money on it. They bought it at wholesale. By the time they're able to move that truck, the retail price might drop lower than what they paid wholesale. So that's why you, you have companies right. like Aero saying, now we're not buying any trucks this month. And they might not buy any trucks next month either.
2: Right. Well, I'd better hurry, and and I'd better come down on my price. i, so. I, I and
0: that's that's good that you're you're researching you're approaching it the right way we're, we're just in a really weird time right now so yes you 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 do need to hurry time is important and you are going to have to be flexible this is changing every week
2: okay well i appreciate it that gives me something to go on and uh i missed your show man i i I love to listen to you on satellite radio when I was driving. But well, it, it, at least yeah, I found you on the it, podcast. Do you so. have our app? Uh, yes. Excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. So uh, I downloaded the, it.
0: I mean, if you liked us on satellite, you've got to love us now. No commercials, and you can listen to any show anytime.
2: Yeah, I just can't listen when I'm driving. Unfortunately, oh, well, I may not be driving much longer. I hope. Well, there you go,
0: and we could we could help you if you needed to. There are a couple ways, but uh, I'm glad you found us, and uh, thanks for the call. Let's see if uh, Jr. is ready. Jr., you ready?
6: Yeah, thanks a lot for putting me on hold. You're
0: welcome. How what you? can I help you with?
6: All right. Uh, question. All right. Last Tuesday, I had my my I tested in the morning. All right. I I was at 88. I had some pork rinds. Twelve o'clock. I had three eggs, some bacon, a little salad. Then at six o'clock, I had two pieces of strip steak, um, green beans, spinach, and um, what's that purple vegetable? I can't think of it right now. Eggplant. Uh, no, no, the 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 reddish one. I'm sorry, the reddish one. Radishes. Well, well, anyway. It, no. Um well anyway, you say it's high in carbs.
3: A red like a, almost vegetable.
6: Like a purplish red purplish,
0: more Pur- purplish. Purplish red vegetable that's high in carbs. Why am I not thinking of any? This should be easy.
6: Purpl- purplish, <laughs> you and me both.
0: Purplish red vegetable high in carbs. Huh, I'm stumped.
6: Well, anyway, uh, at six o'clock, like I said, before I ate, I tested. I was oh, at 95. Uh, uh, Beat. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. I only, like... Had, like, I, 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 I only had like four 50 cents slices, about an eighth, and about an eighth thick, okay. you know? And then I remember, yo, this is high in carbs. So I stopped it. I only had like three pieces, all right? And like I said, at dinner time, I measure. Uh, I tested. I was at uh, ninety five. Excellent. Then uh, the only thing I had. Then the only thing I had after that was I had a small cup of, uh, of yogurt. You know, I, I can't make my yogurt just yet, but I'm getting ready. And it only had one percent, one percent sugar, and it wasn't added sugar. It was what was naturally in it. Okay. Then at eleven o'clock, when I measured, all right, I went down to eighty five. I said, "Cool, I'm good." But then the next morning, when I check when I at six o'clock, I'm at 120. I'm like, what the hell did I do wrong?
0: Nothing. N- what What was the last time you ate before you went to bed?
6: Oh, uh, like I said, six o'clock, I started my meal. By like 6.45, seven o'clock, I, uh, I was already finished with, with, with the yogurt.
0: And what By time? Seven
6: o'clock, I was already done.
0: What time did you go to bed? Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good break between eating and going to bed. You, you had what we call the dawn effect with blood sugar. So it, it had almost nothing to do with anything you ate. Your, your meals were far enough away from your um, bedtime that I don't think it had much of an impact on it. What happens is when we eat really low-carb, And you are, it sounds to me like you're doing a great job. Your blood sugar is really stable. Our body needs some glucose. And if we're not eating enough of it, our body will make its own. And that's okay. And, And it tends to make it overnight. And we tend to get some of these early morning blood sugar spikes. But as long as we start the day there at 120 and then we keep coming down the rest of the day, that's just fine.
6: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cause that was when he scared me. I'm like, what the hell did I do wrong? You Nothing. know? Nothing. And, uh, okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. Be well, be safe. Thank you for everything.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're doing just about everything right. Let's go to North Carolina. Steve, welcome to the program. Oh,
7: for Kevin, uh, Look, you were just talking to the guy a few minutes ago about the four hundred and one k. Right now, the funds we have in there, the you know the uh, the new funds coming in, the matches
0: and all. Um, uh oh, Steve. Right now. Oh, there okay. you are. There you there. are. Yeah. Hello,
7: Kevin.
0: Yeah, I lost you for a second, Hello, but you're you're Kevin. you're back now. Oh, go okay. ahead. You're go ahead. Okay.
7: Yeah, so, so I think we're, we're getting a little rise this week. J.P. Morgan Chase, two weeks after Jamie Dimon, their chairman, said we're in for the biggest hurricane we ever had financially. <laughs> they came out this week and said, oh, everything's okay. Uh, yeah. So we're getting a little dead cat bounce right now. I, I think we're going to, you may see it go up 5%. If it does, it'd be a good time to get your bulk of your money out and into cash inside of your vehicle, the 401k or the IRA. Uh, but I'm a little bit different about the incoming money. I like the dollar cost average anyhow. Uh, so I think the incoming money, and I'm doing this with mine, I've gotten most of my money that's in there already out into cash. But I'm putting in money every month, and I'm putting that into my S&P 500 and my Russell 1000, because as, the, as, the, as we do get these drops, we get more shares of the new money we put in and when it goes back up it explodes up at a, a exponential rate it goes up at a higher than the 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 rate of the of the rise of the uh, of the value of the of the mutual fund right because you're you're buying them at much lower prices
0: so, right. I like so you get more ask, shares uh, definitely right.
7: yeah you know, right get more shares now I, what for the gentleman there he I think he said he was putting in 16% and his employer was putting in 4 I would match their 4 then I'd put the other 12% in my, I'd open up my own Roth IRA, and so you can have it totally tax-free forever, go ahead and open it up, and dollar-cost average into that. But I would dollar-cost average into the fund because, you know, we're going to go back, we're going to go down some more, but we're going to be picking up a lot of shares when it explodes up. Uh, and and I think, I think we may explode up if we have a, a, an earthquake in November in the election, it may explode up quickly. And that might be a, a big bounce, it might be a My, bounce to, to be into it. And yeah, it, well, I was just
0: going to say part, one of the things about financial planning is there's, there's a lot of ways because there's so many different ways we can look uh-huh. at this. I'm being a little more conservative, yeah. Only because I don't really see a lot of clarity on where we're going right now. And there are too many unknowns this time. And I'm reading these books that are talking about the entire world changing and they actually make some sense. And I'm not even talking about weird conspiracy theory stuff. I'm just talking about our world has always changed. You know, sometimes we get blind to it because it changes over it changes long everything. periods of time, but it, it, it's not out of the question that we're going to have a really, really bad world economy for a while. And I worry it now. Yeah. I, I don't worry about 40-year-olds. Stay in the market all you want. Yeah. But I do worry about somebody who's got less than 10 years. Yeah, somebody, somebody,
7: and it's somebody that's not, watching, you know, it's not as in tune to the market's and That's that's true. Um now I would I would at the very least he could he could uh, he could open his Roth IRA and put it in oh, yeah, a guaranteed cash account. That's no one, doubt. That one percent. Yeah, now, no if doubt. He, if he doesn't feel like doing catching the dials averaging in. Now, yeah, you know, I but I you know, I read a lot of these books too and you know, the problem is if some of the things happen that they say happen, it, it's gonna it's gonna everything we got is going going to go to hell. I'm yes, um, yeah. That, that's, know, it's not going to be, we're not, we're, there's not going to be a safe haven. You know, w- w- a lot of times your safe haven from stocks is either bonds or real estate. But right now, you know, we're. I think we're bubbling there too.
0: Well, here's the really scary part. Even cash is not a safe haven.
7: Right. When yeah, exactly. you have 8%
0: yeah. inflation, your cash is not a safe haven at all. You're getting hammered.
7: No, you just you're just putting you're putting what you're putting away 100% in you and next year you got 92% of that number. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: uh, right so yeah. you're you're absolutely right there is no safe haven right now other than a, a hope, and this is why I've been harping on this so much for so many years now the only safe haven is enough cash that you just make it through this
7: oh yeah yeah. And and if you got cash, buy a lot of consumables you're going to consume in the next two to five years and just buy you a storage unit and fill it up with stuff that's not going to go bad. I, so it's going to be more expensive when you go to buy it in two years.
0: You know, I'm getting ready to, I, I have kind of let my freezers dwindle. I have not been, I canceled all my subscriptions on meat a while back. I haven't been ordering much at all. And and my supplies have really dwindled and I'm really just going to take a day and sit down and I am going to start ordering meat and I'm going to fill every inch of that freezer space and I'm going to can some more and then I'm going to refill it again. Cause I I can't think, and I started to do it and I looked at the prices. I'm like, Oh, do I really want to do this? Uh, the prices are just insane on food right now. And then I thought, look, I don't, I don't think it's getting any better. So I, probably our best safe haven right now on where we should put our cash is into consumables.
7: I, I agree totally on that. I, I do. Look on a, a, a diff, just a different thing. I know you, you noticed that I that I posted the uh, uh, I posted a, a pretty intricate uh, you know synopsis of the way I run my truck as far as fuel mileage. And I'm I'm a tester for, for Bruce on this. Um, and uh, do you think by looking at that and and putting all you know all of my uh, fuel tickets, I'm putting them in there in the comments as I do I did one yesterday. And I'm gonna keep that same one going. Um, you know, I want it to be a good test. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm like you. I'm very skeptical. Uh, but I've got two gallons. I, I got I bought one gallon from Bruce, and then Fred called me. I thought he was. I thought he was getting my information for uh, for Bruce. He sent me one too, so I paid for two. I got two, so I'm gonna do uh, one ounce uh, um, for the first month, or the first two months, and then I'm gonna go to the two ounces uh, and test it out. So uh, my numbers should be really, really good. You know my. You notice I, I posted my route. It's the same route basically every week, just a little bit different cities I deliver Harbor Freight to, but uh, in Ohio, but. But you saw that, that, that it's a, um, you know, that it's a route. Do you think that's a good way to, to test Since yes. I'm running the same route all the time? I don't yeah. idle.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
7: I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't have any other, any other. I take a lot of the uh, variables out, it
0: it, it, out. And that's, that's... And, uh, that's how we judge, you know, how accurate a fuel mileage test might be. How many variables were we able to neutralize? How many variables can you kind of take out of the equation so that you're able to get better data on the one change you are making? And and there's no, you know, it's not black and white. The more variables we can control, the more accurate our numbers will be. And then that's why we try to get as many people testing as possible because because more testers averages out our numbers more. You know, I, I, I and again, we're, we're talking about diesel engines and physics. So if this product will help a class eight diesel engine, it should also help the little three liter diesel engine we have in the sprinter. Um, and I'm getting ready to probably drive across country in the sprinter. So I'm thinking I'm going to, you know, Call up Bruce and get a gallon of this because I certainly wouldn't need more than a gallon, and I may test it on the on you know a little diesel engine and see what it does.
7: Yeah, I, what I see is that one uh, percent would be a little better than a wash as far as cost goes. Because it's an ongoing cost, it's not like a, a fuel mileage upgrade where we we get our money back and then we're making right. money. Oh, you, you guys, right. it's one hundred and sixty, but for, it, for me, for I get nine miles to the gallon. That's five gallons a year. It's gonna cost me eight hundred dollars. Uh, well, uh, it's gonna cost me nine hundred, counting the uh, counting the uh, you know the shipping. Right. Nine hundred dollars a year. Uh, so yeah, what I figured is one tent would be just a wash. Two tents, I'd make a little bit. Now the guy getting five or six, if he gets two or three tents.
6: make huge.
7: Because it makes a bigger, right. difference.
6: Yeah, that's, yeah, makes that's a bigger difference. Yeah,
7: that's that's huge. Yeah. So. So, like I say, I'm going to be very, very diligent to make sure. And I've, uh, you notice if you look back, I, I posted my truck's name in there and everything. If you look back over time, I've had some partials. I buy, you know, I buy my fuel, uh, optimally to make sure I'm getting the lowest net price. And so if I know I got a lower net price up the road, I've been, you know, I buy what I needed and then I would get up there and back up the truck and, and put a lot in. And, you know, yeah. it's a much lower price. Yeah. But right now I'm getting, I'm getting a buck 18 off the price right now. So wow. now. Right now, because I am gonna make make sure during this during this test that I am filling up to the same spot every tank. There's gonna be no partials. So good. I think
3: that takes yeah. another variable it, out because, it, uh, it,
7: it, it does. But it's good yeah. I've I've got other Right and, and uh and with my you know, with the way I run this same route, I've got a lot of observations at some point. I need to call y'all on Friday because I need to talk to John. I've got I I've got some really good I've got some really good stuff on uh, aerodynamics that I've noticed. And because I get different trailers, I get some that are. Pretty oh, yeah. That's right. Some that are not. It's, it's a big difference. It, it really is. So I, I'll call in one day with some of those numbers, too, that I've got on Friday. But usually Friday, I'm busy at home doing hunting. You know, that's <laughs> that's good right. Yeah. Well, uh, look, I, yeah. hey, we appreciate everything you guys do. And I, I will keep you updated. Just keep looking on there. You'll see in my. I'll try to put more notes in on the, when I fuel up, when I put put in there in the the reply. Yep. Okay, sir. Thank you. Perfect.
0: All right. Yeah. You know, when we do fuel mileage testing, I've always said our goal is 70%. You're never going to get 100. If we test this product, and it let's say it does work. Let's say it does actually increase fuel economy. I'm always skeptical, but I, I'm always willing to keep an open mind, too. Um, I was skeptical about the catalyst, and it took me a while, but I came around, and I saw the benefits. It doesn't benefit every truck, though. And what will happen when you test fuel mileage like this? Somebody, somebody is actually going to lose fuel economy during this test. And you could then say, oh, wait a minute, this product doesn't increase fuel economy. It actually decreases it. No, that's not how it works. There's too many other variables. That's why we need bigger numbers. We need more people testing to even out those variables. There will be people that put this product in and their fuel economy goes down. It's not likely that it will be because of this product though. It will be some other variable that we're not able to control. Let's go to Kentucky. Dwayne, welcome to the program.
8: Yeah, Uh, Maureen. you I was talking about your canned or out of the freezer like that. We've been doing the same thing with washing canning our beef out of the freezer. It's a way to keep it, but we've also been going and and, um, uh, uh, buying canned goods. You know, like that, just to stock up more.
0: Can't hurt. And my wife says, We won't eat that.
8: I said, I said, We won't. She says, We won't eat that. I said, Well, there's always trade.
0: <laughs> it, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah. I, I, um,
8: I, I you yeah, know, and,
0: right now, this stuff just makes sense. It just really does.
8: Yeah. And, and I worried about the dates on it. I mean, I've had beef that we home can from a few months ago from 02 and the taters from 06, you know, and. Yeah, good. They ain't a problem. I'll eat them. I, it, so anyway. It, it, I know it's,
0: it, it, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but when it comes right down to it, canned food of any kind, vegetables, meats, whatever, if that oh. can or jar or whatever vessel we've put it in, if it maintains its seal, that food is safe forever. Forever. Yep
8: it, it, it well, now the, very few it, it's all taste. that's it you know
0: that's what I was going to say. The longer it sits there and depending on the conditions it's in, you know some of my canned food meat, and that kind of stuff I keep in the coach and and some of it's been in there for yeah. years now that coach goes through extreme temperatures out there that that will yeah. deteriorate the quality of the meat a little bit, although on this last trip, I found a whole stash in the back of the pantry that I meet that I had canned in 2017, and it's been in the coach yep. since 2017, going through all those hot and cold yeah. cycles. I couldn't tell any difference. I opened it up. It tasted perfect.
8: Well, um, what I called you about was, is I take that card a miracle. Okay. How do you get by the taste of it? I cannot. Here's, I, I've been... Grab onto your chair. Get a good hold of your chair there. I, um, or what do you got something there? Because I've been, I've been putting in orange juice I Okay, like that, you know, okay. and, and, and I don't I know. like the sugar, but
0: that makes me a little crazy, but here's the weird thing about this product. <laughs> it has stevia in it. Stevia is not an artificial sweetener. Stevia is a completely natural sweetener. In fact, I have a stevia plant yeah. growing out in my garden. It's incredible you pick a leaf yeah. you you chew it you'd swear you were swallowing pure sugar I mean that's how sweet a leaf uh, off of the plant yeah. is but stevia has some some different bitter compounds in it so it did and we actually we're like testing this now because this has become an issue. I normally do not like foods with stevia in them I normally don't. I normally can taste that weird taste in there, that bitter compound. I've found two products that have stevia that I can't taste it at all. One of them is Lily's chocolate. I, I would swear there's no stevia in there, but there is. And the other one is Cardio Miracle. I love the taste of this stuff for some reason. And yet... It's, huh. it's, it's a split right down the middle. People either love the taste or they, they're like you, oh my God, how do you get past the taste? And I'm like, what do you mean get past the taste? I actually look forward to it.
8: Yeah. It's got, an after, it's got, to me, it's got a big aftertaste too. Like, yeah. I
0: don't get but that. the
8: benefits is, is, is crazy. I know. The benefits are crazy. I, I um, and uh, I know what you're uh, talking I don't about have slump anymore.
0: I know what you're talking about when you say the aftertaste, because that's normally what I get from Stevia that I don't like the aftertaste. For some reason in this product, I, I just don't get it. And I'll tell you, my wife, Lisa, is even more sensitive to that taste than I am. And she also loves Cardio Miracle. Oh, let me ask you something. Because I'm kind of doing a little sort of non-scientific experiment around this. Do you like cilantro?
8: No, I don't care for it.
0: This is almost 100% correct on my little unscientific test. People either love the taste of cilantro or they hate it, and it's actually a genetic thing. We can go in and look, there is a gene. And if you have a certain gene... It makes cilantro taste really awful. For a lot of people, it tastes like soap. That, that's a common thing. You
8: know, I, I, cannot, I cannot handle it. Just cannot handle it.
0: it so it's turned out so far that uh, right down the middle. People who don't like the taste of cilantro don't like the taste of Cardio Miracle and people who love cilantro love Cardio Miracle. I don't know why there must be <laughs> something in there, but this is uh, so far my scientific test um, non-scientific is almost a hundred percent. Right. Well,
8: I've tried it, but I've tried it with uh, just water. I've tried a uh, the- little more, little more strength, a little less strength. I've tried making a smoothie out of it. Okay, let uh, me, I just said the only thing I can deal with and really deal with is just orange juice. Let me have you try one can, more thing. 12 ounce or 10
0: ounce. Let me have you try one more thing. St- and I'm just going to give you some numbers to start from. So 14 ounces of water, okay. one scoop of Cardio Miracle, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar.
8: Oh, okay. Try that. Okay. We'll give that a shot
0: see what happens so, and the apple cider vinegar is good but, uh, for you too so if that helps mellow out that bitter taste a little bit and sometimes i think it does um see if that makes it easier to get down
8: yeah well an apple cider vinegar hurt
0: nothing either so no it's, it's good
8: so but,
0: uh, I, I especially when i go outside and i'm working in the heat i really make sure i put in that tablespoon of apple cider vinegar huh
8: well like i said i mean i mean i like to. 'cause uh, my my afternoon slumps, I usually get an afternoon slump, and a lot of times if i can't i just work through it i' drink some you know drink some water or suck on something there and, um, and, and at night i've been finding a lot of times at night uh where I begin to sleepy, I don't get sleepy like I normally did
0: yeah interesting.
8: And, uh, that, that there's that's a that's helped that's helped the bush good so uh what i I'm, I'm I'm saying more oxygen in the blood more than anything so of course there's so much so much so much in there for you there is so, uh, it,
0: it really has turned out to be a really really good all-around daily supplement for a lot of people and we just have to help some of you get past this weird taste
8: yeah well out there that's i mean it, it, it's I, initially it's fine but then right there it just hits you again, and at the end <laughs> of it oh over.
0: try the, the apple <laughs> cider vinegar might fix it for you or at least help some
8: so, so you said
0: fourteen ounces of water. I would start there. Fourteen ounces of water, one scoop of Cardio Miracle, one uh, thing of uh, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Now, if you taste it and you go, "Oh, you okay. know what? That does taste a little better," then maybe try two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and see what it tastes like.
8: Yeah. Okay. All right. No, well, that's, that's you know hey, I, I'm open. <laughs> Give it a shot. I never heard I have heard anybody I have heard anybody on the air saying anything about the taste of it.
0: No, <laughs> we we had this conversation <laughs> once, and that's what got me thinking about the cilantro thing because it was so weird. People were either saying, "Oh no, I love the taste," then every other people are calling, going, "Oh, I I can barely choke it down." I thought this is odd. Nobody's yep. in the middle, and it reminded me of the cilantro thing. So I started asking people, and almost a hundred percent of people who don't like the taste of cardio wow. miracle also don't like the taste of cilantro.
8: Yep. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm glad you don't have a time to strengthen on your show anymore. So.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> Me too. I, so that, I, that
8: works good. So.
0: I, I, anyway. As a matter of fact, you're a perfect example of that. I'm going to cut you loose. Um, you were the last call. Uh, I thought I was going to quit at uh, 930 today, but I don't have to. It's my show. I can do whatever the hell I want. I am going to wrap it up. Um, We'll have about a 20 minute break and then uh, Mike and Kevin Beckett will go live with rolling toe. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow. I have some, do I have some topics for tomorrow? I think I, yeah, I do actually. Um, We'll find out if John and Joel are joining us uh, and it'll be a uh, freaky free for all trends and technology and efficiency kind of day. Um, We'll see who joins us. So we'll see you then. Stay tuned. 20 minutes from now, check back in for Rolling Toe. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.